I think a lot of individuals, you know, they're not aware of the SBA program. And, um, you know, really, it's it is a it is a niche program when you think about the actual banking world, right? I think a lot of people think about home loans, uh, maybe some more conventional financing, commercial financing, and then the SBA, right? Welcome to the Becoming a Pharmacy Badass podcast, where we talk about how to diversify your revenue streams, increase your net income, and optimize your operations to create the pharmacy of your dreams. I hope you enjoy and subscribe. Well, hello everyone, Dr. Lisa Faust here, and I am excited to be talking with Greco from Live Oak Bank today. Now you might be thinking uh, banking conversation is not exactly what to, you know, get you up in the morning, but trust me, I think there is going to be some amazing buying opportunities for pharmacy owners that are looking to grow, expand their locations, um, or even if you're a pharmacist, maybe you're even a pharmacy student and you're wanting to get into pharmacy ownership. I think 2024 and 2025 are going to be a buyer's market for pharmacies. Now, on the flip side, that is unfortunate because that means people are wanting to sell. Now, people sell for all different kinds of reasons. You know, it might be retirement time. They might have some other personal issues or it could be because that they're struggling. And certainly there's going to be a lot of pharmacies that are struggling in 2024 because of the DIR fee apocalypse um, that if you're not familiar with that, that is basically the change of how DIR fee payments are made. Um, it's actually ultimately going to be a good thing once we go through the transition period, but the transition period is going to be very, very painful for pharmacy owners because it is going to greatly restrict cash flow. And trust me, you cannot keep a pharmacy open, frankly, any business open, if you have poor cash flow. And so, uh, and, you know, there's many experts out there, um, including myself, that maybe as many as 20% of independent pharmacy owners might have to make that tough decision to close their pharmacy. And I don't want independent pharmacies disappearing. I don't want pharmacy owners disappearing. And so I think it's really important to do everything that we can to not only save the ones that are out there, but also if you do need to sell for whatever reason, that you get sold to somebody else that's going to keep it independent. Um, I firmly believe that independent pharmacies are the best places to get patient care. I think they're better working environments for the employees. And I think they're just a stable of a healthy, thriving community. And so I want to not only keep the ones that are there, but help them expand and grow and multiply. Um, I'd love in a few years to be talking about 40,000 independent pharmacies rather than the 20,000, you know, number that goes around now, which is why we are talking with Greco as he is going to be going through the SBA changes, small business administration changes on some of their different loan programs. And this is going to be important. If you are thinking about maybe possibly purchasing a pharmacy, if you want to bring in a junior partner, uh, get some fresh blood in, into your pharmacy. So Greco, I'm going to turn it on over to you. So um, let's start off. Let's first off introduce yourself and Live Oak Bank. Not everybody, I, you know, not everybody knows who Live Oak Bank is, even those you guys have been around and have been a friend of independent pharmacies for many years. And then we'll kind of dive into the changes that are happening. That's going to make SBA loans, I think, a little bit easier for pharmacy owners to get. Yeah, thanks, Lisa, for having me on today. Happy holidays to you and uh, to your followers. I know it's been a pretty crazy 2023 with everything that's going on. So looking forward to a good 2024. Yeah, you're right. I mean, sometimes the banking conversations don't really get us up in the morning and get us excited, especially, um, you know, given everything that's happened this year with 2024, uh, 2023 and 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 most specifically the the conversation that's on everybody's um mine, which are the the big rate hikes that happened uh, this entire year. 
Um, but, uh, you know, I hope to be able to share some um, some positive news that have been out there in the banking space. And and thank you again for having us here. Um, uh, my name is Greco. I'm the senior loan officer and vice president of the pharmacy vertical at Live Oak Bank. And, you know, very simply, Live Oak Bank has um, been dedicated to be in the pharmacy bank and uh, helping uh, independent pharmacies achieve their dreams of ownership or expansion, purchasing real estate, really anything financing that's out there. And uh, as we look into the future, you know, our mission statement at the bank is to be America's small business bank. And so we're here for small businesses all in. And, uh, and, and, and that's very rewarding. And we're really excited that, you know, over the last 10 years, we've been able to help a lot of independent pharmacists achieve their dreams. So that's um that's kind of what gets me up in the morning, gets me excited, and really gets me excited for conversations like today. Awesome. So some of the changes that we've talked about, we're going to talk about three SBA changes. Um, is if you are interested in pharmacy ownership or maybe you're looking to expand, most of us will tap into the SBA at some point. Uh, I know when I opened my very first pharmacy from scratch, I went through the whole SBA process. I won't lie. It was very painful. It wasn't through you guys. <laughs> um, and it probably would have been a different experience, but uh, you know, I didn't know what I didn't know back then. And um, you know, and it, and it can be confusing. Um, I have other family members that have gone through the SBA process for, you know, not for pharmacies, but for other businesses. And it can just be confusing. And I think it's really important that not only you go to somebody who's an expert in SBA, but mm -hmm. pharmacy, obviously, we're, we always like being different. And so it's a kind of a different beast um, when you're talking about pharmacy loans. And so I think Live Oak is a really great marriage of SBA expertise and pharmacy expertise. So these changes in the SBA loan process, they're not specific to pharmacy. They're just changing the program. Right. However, because you guys, your vertical there that deals only with pharmacy, you guys are pharmacy experts, kind of filter it for us, these changes on like what it means and, and the kinds of examples that pharmacy owners might need to leverage these changes to help boost their business or maybe be able to sell their business and keep it independent. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you are right. I think a lot of individuals, you know, they're not aware of the SBA program. And, um, you know, really, it's it is a it is a niche program when you think about the actual banking world, right? I think a lot of people think about home loans, uh, maybe some more conventional financing, commercial financing, and then the SBA, right? But for for businesses that have uh, a lot of goodwill, and rely on cash flow, much like a majority of the small businesses, and and frankly, um, uh, pharmacy is exactly like that, right? Um, the Small Business Administration um, loans um, are great, and banks can lend through this program. So the bank is loaning their own money, and the fact that Live Oak Bank is a preferred lender, we can do everything in-house so long as we follow these guidelines that are set up by the SBA called the Standard Operating Procedure, or short SOP. Well, some of the material things that have changed in those recently is around equity injection requirements for change of ownerships. So very simply, when you go to purchase a business from somebody, you know there is a purchase price and then there could be additional costs involved in the loan, like working capital, for example. So all those go into a big project cost, okay? And uh, historically, 10% has always been the benchmark. So 10% of that total project cost is required to meet the equity injections. 
So really simple, let's say we have a million dollar project cost, 10% of that's 100,000. So someone goes to apply for an SBA loan for a change of ownership to buy a pharmacy, you know, $100,000 is the minimum 10% requirement that has to get in. Well, for a lot of people out there, $100,000 is, is a lot of money, might as well be a million dollars, right? And for someone who, let's say, has been working at a pharmacy for 10 years, maybe has built up a lot of sweat equity as a great employee, again, they may not have that. Well, so historically, you know, that's kind of been a barrier to entry. I mean, and there's really only been one door for people to walk through. Well, what's so exciting now is these new changes that are, that are, that are now implemented and active is they've provided some flexible options for individuals to be able to meet that 10% requirement. And what we mean by that is maybe they don't have the full 10%. Maybe they have, let's say, 1% or 2%. Well, then the remainder of it can be made up with seller equity, meaning essentially a seller note. And uh, that seller note can either be on full standby or partial standby, depending on how much the individual is, is coming in with. But what that means now is in that scenario, you know, let's say I've been a long-term employee of a pharmacy, putting in a lot of sweat equity, and um, there's a chance now for me to purchase the pharmacy, but I've always thought, man, I just don't have that 100000 Well, now there's a great way that you can structure it so long as the cash flow meets in, as long as the bank, you know, feels that it meets their lending guidelines, um, that now there's a pathway. So there's now this other door that people can walk through and and achieve and i think why that's so important is if people don't know that then that conversation of a change of ownership might never occur and instead the seller might think well there's only one option that i have sell to a chain or maybe even just close the doors which frankly i've heard stories of and so what really this is is informational for people to know that hey there are these other pathways that i can take to ownership so let's start the conversation no, I think you're spot on. I many independent pharmacy owners um, don't have, you know, children or or families to, you know, pass the business on to, and so there's there's almost a, an adopted family member, if you will, that long-standing right. pharmacist that's been there for 15, 20 years, and I've seen deals break down because that that pharmacist didn't have the cash needed. You know, you help build up. You know, you're talking about a million dollars, but many of these pharmacies, you know, they've been built up over decades and they're worth yeah. four or five or six Absolutely. million dollars. And so having four hundred or six hundred thousand dollars in the bank isn't something that just everybody has, especially right. in, in a cash way to be able to to put into the deal. And so I think this is really exciting. I think this is going to create a lot of kind of junior partnerships or joint ventures um, where there's going to be an exit strategy that is really developed between a, a current pharmacy owner and a future pharmacy owner. And I think, I think it's exciting. You know, a lot of pharmacists are fed up, obviously, working with the big box stores. Uh, I think a lot of students, um, at least at the universities that I speak at, I think a lot of students are interested in pharmacy ownership. And so, like you said, it just creates another door, um, which is just more flexibility, which I think is great for everybody. So what are some other changes that are happening or have already happened actually with the SBA program? Yeah. So on the subject of, uh, of junior partnerships, like you just brought up. So historically, the idea of financing a partner buy-in has never been allowed to the SBA. So it's always been a hundred percent change of ownership. So you either have to buy the pharmacy outright, like we were just talking about, 
or you can buy out partners, so like a partner buyout. But that partner buy-in has never really been allowed. And so um, a lot of people have had to finance that either with their personal monies, you know, home equity lines of credit, or maybe even just getting in through like sweat equity over the years. Well, now a change in the SBA SOP states that a bank can finance a a partner buy-in. And that's pretty important. So let's say, for example, you've owned your pharmacy for 10, 15 years. You feel like I've got some great ideas that I want to be able to inject into the business, but you're just not quite ready yet to fully ride off into the sunset. You want to retain 30, 40, maybe 25, 10, whatever the number is, right? Well, now I can get financing for that to be able to buy into that partnership. Now, there are some rules around post-ownership percentages on who has to guarantee the loan, but that's why you always want to talk with an SBA lender to really understand what those rules are. But the very fact that you can now buy in and there's some really great equity injection uh, uh, flexibilities with regards to meeting what the the 10% uh, equity injection requirements are on the actual purchase price. This is where it kind of differs from the 100% change of ownership. They're looking at uh, equity injections on purchase price pro rata. So let's say I'm buying 80% of your business. It's on that 80%, not the total value. But it really gives some opportunities for people now to get in as, like you said, junior partnership or a joint venture versus, okay, my seller wants to sell or my owner wants to sell, but that's not for another five years. And frankly, I don't even know what might happen in five years. Gives another pathway. So we're talking about these other pathways to ownership where historically it's always seemed like it's just one door. Yeah, I can see a lot of scenarios where, you know, if you're if you're a high quality employee, you want to you want more than just a job. And I think that's where a lot of these chain and big box pharmacists get really frustrated is they've given their blood, sweat and tears. And, you know, the big corporation, frankly, just doesn't care about them because it's, you know, to their shareholders that they're beholden to. Whereas an independent pharmacy owner obviously runs their business difference. If they have these rock star employees that have helped built up equity. Um, and I can even see doing this where you're offering a group of employees, you know, it's more than just one where, you know, you kind of become uh, an employee owned company, if you will. So I think it just it's exciting. It creates a lot of opportunity. You know, you might be saying, hey, I'm in my 40s or 50s right now. Uh, You know, I'm not really, like you said, ready to ride off into the sunset. I got another 10 or 15 years under my belt. And I don't want to carry the full burden of that on my shoulders. And so being able to reward, you know, I'll say reward, but uh, in being able to offer that kind of opportunity to your employees to be able to buy in at the pharmacy, buy in in what it is now. And that way they get rewarded in more than one way. It's not just a job. They really, truly are, are becoming owners. Um, because it can be, you know, you don't have to be the pharmacist. It could be a technician or it could be a manager or something like that um, that really wants to to turn this into their lifelong, uh, you know, kind of dream and and whatnot. And it doesn't have to be 100%. And so I just, I it's it's really exciting um, for someone who's looking at deals a lot with me and my partners of, you know, mm-hmm. looking at different pharmacies. Um, it's exciting because I can see a lot of different structurings, whether you're coming in or you're going out on both sides of that coin, it's beneficial. So if somebody's listening to this, then they're like, huh, 
wow, this is getting my, my thoughts growing, you know, what's the first step, you know, what do they need to do is what do they need to do before they call you, you know, before they call up live Oak and say, Hey, what's this? Um, what should they do beforehand? Um, can you kind of help somebody through of like what that process might be? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so, and, and let's put this through the lens of, um, of, of what we would say our borrower. So our customer, right? So um, before you do that, um, before you give us a call, and you can always reach us on the web, www.liveoakbank.com, um, uh, and um, you can also reach out. I'll, I'll provide my information here in the, in the chat here in a second. But um, I would say first and foremost, what you always want to do is first just have that initial discussion, perhaps, with the individual that might be your seller. And, and let's say maybe it's just been in um, uh, in passing where it's just like, Hey, what are your thoughts about ownership? Well, that's good. Cause at least there's that conversation that's going on next. I would say everybody wants to have a good idea about what their credit score is. I personally, and this is not an endorsement. I just use uh, uh, credit karma. I kind of follow my credit just to know that there's no red flags and kind of have a general idea. I think that's just best practice for everybody. And then lastly, have a good understanding about, well, what does my personal balance sheet look like, my assets and my liabilities? And, and, and again, you know, this is just very general and broad, right? Um, I think everybody should be out there following you on LinkedIn, um, 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 educating themselves as much as they can about what's going on in the industry, recent changes, challenges, and then also have a very good idea about why do you want to own why do you want to make that transition from employee to owner, be it 100% or just a, you know, a, a junior partner? Um, and then pick up the phone, email, follow, whatever it is, and make sure that you're having a conversation with somebody that really understands this SBA and really understands pharmacy. And that's why I think it's so important to have conversations like, uh, uh, with, like this with us. Um, uh, and with myself at Live Oak Bank so that you can really talk to somebody who knows those two things. Um, uh, one thing that I will say is, you know, with these changes, you know, they're, they're what's out there in the options, right, of the SBA. Now, if an individual talks to a bank, you know, each individual bank will have their own credit criteria to the specific situation. So people have to remember that, that, you know, not every bank is going to say, well, yeah, they're the guidelines, but that's what we're going to follow. But if you don't have a conversation with someone that doesn't know these changes very well, like frankly, going sometimes to the your friend who's the banker at the at the local regional and they go, uh, I don't know. I mean, usually you have to have X amount of collateral required. If you don't have that, then you're not getting the full um, uh, list of options. And as we always like to say, the fine print that's involved with all of these types of loans. Yep, I, I completely agree. Um, I, I learned very much later after my SBA process that there is a difference between a preferred lender and just your local bank. Right. You know, I you know, from my layman's terms, you know, any bank can kind of tap into those guidelines of the SBA, but only the preferred ones are the ones that really make it their day job. And if, you know, you're talking about millions of dollars here, when you're talking about a pharmacy, mm -hmm. you want to go with somebody that knows every little in and out, every little fine print. You don't want a last minute snag to catch you up at the very end. And then because you guys know pharmacy, you guys know how to calculate working capital requirements. You guys understand the business. You know how to look at financials. You can actually save people. Sometimes when you tell people no, 
It's because you saved them from themselves and you saved yeah. them from a very bad deal because you know pharmacy. And so I think that's really important that if you're looking into getting to financing pharmacies, that you work with somebody who is that friendly banker that can kind of teach you the ropes, but also maybe point out some things that just you didn't see. And, and they really are an extra set of expert eyeballs on any pharmacy deal. Um, I know I told everybody, well, have you called Live Oak Bank? Have you run the deal by them? <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, and uh, that's kind of been uh, my phraseology that I've used many, many times. So what are the best ways for somebody to reach out to you? Obviously, liveoakbank.com, and then you can click on pharmacy. Um, but what are the ways that they can reach out to you? Yeah, I mean, well, they can reach me um, uh, through my email, which is uh, first name Greco .devalencia at liveoak.bank. And, and Lisa, if you'd like, we could, I could type it up here in the chat here. Um, they can call me on my cell phone, follow me on LinkedIn as well. And um, and and yeah, and I'm, I'm going to be uh, at all the trade shows, really looking forward to attending Diversify RX this year in, in, in Texas. I think that's going to be great. So people can talk to me there in person. And, uh, and, you know, um, I think the great part about technology now is, is that no one can hide, you know, as long as you know, my first name, Greco, last name, De Valencia and Live Oak, you're going to be able to find me one way or the other. So, so that's, that's yeah. the great Even thing. Even if you don't know hide. how to spell his last name, which I'll put in the, uh, in the show notes, Greco is still, isn't very common. You type yeah, right. Greco and chances are this is the Greco that you're going to find. So yes, I look forward to seeing you at the Pharmacy Profit Summit in March, which is just a few months away. Um, I think there's, you know, there's obviously going to be a lot of shakeup in our industry. Um, I hope and pray that everybody uh, that's possible out there stays in pharmacy ownership if they want to stay in pharmacy ownership. Fix your cash flow. That is the most important thing you can be doing as a pharmacy owner right now. I'll just kind of preach that for a moment. You can fix it. Um, so many times people feel stuck and they feel like they can't do anything, but that is not the case. You can fix it. And uh, please feel free to reach out to us, myself, Diversify RX. And uh, if you do find yourself needing help, and if it is time to get out for any various of reasons, uh, make sure you try to keep it independent. And there are now more ways to be able to do that. So thank you, Greco. I, I will see you soon. And thanks for sharing these updates. Thanks a lot, Lisa. And look forward to having the next one talk about, which is um, really something exciting too that we're launching, which are going to be some smaller loans for capital growth specific around uh, these chain closures, which we've been hearing a lot about in the news. So look forward to the next conversation that we're going to have where we can talk more about that. Awesome. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this content valuable, here are four ways I can help you have a more profitable pharmacy for free. One, join my free group at lisasrxgroup.com. Two, get the latest strategies at diversifyrx.com forward slash blog. Three, watch helpful videos at lisasyt.com. Four, hit that subscribe button and please be sure to leave us a five-star review so we can help more pharmacy owners and bring those insights back to you. Becoming a Pharmacy Badass is proud to be a part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network.